Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Good morning, everyone. Morning, 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 morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Awesome. So we're going to get stuck in. My name is Glenn, uh, for those of you who don't know me, and um, I really do count it, I'm, I really do count it a privilege. It's, I'm super grateful to be able to speak and share with you this morning. I want to start this morning by giving you a, a scenario, a story. A husband and a wife are getting dressed. They're about to go out for tonight's Valentine's Day dinner, and as the woman is making herself up in the mirror, she you know, kind of grimaces at a reflection and turns to her husband and says, Dear, why have the years been so cruel to me? With each passing day, I get even more old and ugly. The lines on my face run deep, you know, like riverbeds. My lips are as shriveled as raisins. My once thick, luscious hair is thinned considerably. Dear, can you just name one thing that I still have going on for me? That's a loaded question, by the way. The husband replies, well, dear, your eyesight is near perfect. Now, I hope that none of you have had that conversation this morning. But like this woman, my hope this morning is that you and I can reflect on self. Beyond the things that lay on the surface, like the makeup, the mascara, all that sort of stuff, the Nivea, we want to go beyond that and go even deeper this morning. So today we're going to dive into the book of Lamentations chapter 3. So if you have a Bible this morning, you can turn there, click there, tap there, swipe there, whatever it is that you do to read the word. But I want to give you a bit of a background this morning. The book of Lamentations is mourning the death of the city Jerusalem. It's a devastating time in Israel's history because how many of you know the Bible is a historical document? It's not just some, you know, uh, what do you call it, um, Dr. Zeus. It real, these are, this is Israel's history. And so in this time, the people of Israel have gone into exile. Their enemies treat them with contempt, and the entire ritual of worship had been completely abandoned. The survivors had suffered dreadfully, and when you go through the text, they are forced to unreal extremes, to the point of even having to eat their dead children. This is an intense situation that these people are in. And in Lamentations 3, verse 40 to 41, let's read. The Bible says, let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. So if you don't mind, I'd just like to pray for the message this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for your, your, who you are, God. We thank you for your person. We thank you, Lord, that you are unfailing in your promises, God. We're thankful for your grace and thankful for your love today. God, open up our hearts and search every crevice within our soul, God. Help us, Lord, to reflect today in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to look this morning at the idea of self-reflection and no, it's not the filter used for selfies and legit, if you want to fact check, you can do that. Jump on Instagram after the service and you can find that there are filters called self-reflection. By the way, they're not very good, so I probably wouldn't bother using those. But self-reflection this morning is defined as a serious thought about one's character and actions. 
it's known as the habit of deliberately paying attention to our own thoughts, our own emotions, our decisions, and behaviors. And it's, we do this in the hope that we can learn something from it and make better decisions in the future. Another word used for self-reflection is introspection. And it's where we examine ourselves. It's where we look at the inner man or the inner woman, where we take time to search within ourselves, looking at where we're at in life, looking at how we're doing, looking at how we're coping, how we're dealing, looking at how we're processing, how we're managing current situations, looking at how we cope with crisis. We've just come out of the back end of 2020's pandemic looking at how we deal with trials and tribulations, how we cope with our doubts and our fears and our concerns, and looking at, uh, for example, how I deal with rejection, looking at how I handle loss, how I'm processing pain and hurt. It's not just the negative, but how we cope with success, how we cope with accomplishments, how we cope with wins and victories. Now, again, we know that 2020 was a difficult and pressing season for so many people, for so many families. But for many people, however, the lockdown forced you and I to stop and reflect. It forced us to take a step back and really go, hey, I need to look at myself. It forced us to pause, take time to ponder, And maybe perhaps even ask the question, what's really important? To reevaluate, to reassess, reassess where we're at, where we want to be. And this is the idea of self-reflection this morning. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. One of the leaders in the New Testament, known as Paul, he wrote two letters to the believers in a city called Corinth. And the church there had become completely divided. It was split in two. The Paul had to intervene and bring loving correction and clarity to these people, these group of believers. And in his second letter, the last few chapters is Paul actually defending his integrity as a leader. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, he says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And so Paul encourages us this morning to examine ourselves in conjunction with our faith, in conjunction with the Word. Because how many of you know the Bible is unlike any piece of literature in all of existence? This book this morning, it's unreal. It's not like an Ikea magazine, amen. The contents within this book has the power to transform. The contents and the words within these pages has the power to encourage, has the power to inspire, has the power to give hope, and has the power to build up people. The book of John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. In other words, we're talking about Jesus the living word. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, the words in his word are able to get deep even into the darkest crevices of man's heart. 
That's why it's so powerful. It exposes the areas in our hearts where we need the Holy Spirit to work in. Think about our series, The Fruits of Summer. We recently have been looking at the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, you know, talking about compassion, talking about self-control. How many of you know, when Tim, when Tim preached on patience, I'm like going, yeah, we all need a bit more of that. Because how many you know, sometimes God doesn't work on our clock. That could be one of the most frustrating things. Now, God, now. We come and we pray in agreement. Like this morning, you've come this morning. We, we come together, we gather together collectively, we worship together, and we hear the word of God spoken, and we leave here with something to ponder about us. Self-reflection. In our text in Lamentations, and no, not Lamingtons, you can save it for lunch, he expresses immense anguish and sorrow. Everything around him is crumbling. It's falling to pieces. And listen, I just want to give you some, uh, some context into this chapter, chapter 3 in Lamentations. I want to read this. Listen to the language he uses. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. They're making songs about this guy. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. And listen, I have forgotten what prosperity is. That's intense language. Here is a man who is going through incredible struggle, incredible pain, incredible hardship. And he goes on to say in our text, let us search out and examine our ways. Psalms 139 verse 23 to 24, search me God and know my heart. It says here, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. You see, the Bible encourages us to reflect, to look at, self. And one of the barriers to reflection or self-reflection is having to overcome our pride. You see, this morning, pride will negate our ability to examine ourselves. It stems from self-righteousness. And this is the difference between being proud of someone for a job well done. You know, my son, he cleaned up like half his room and I'm like, man, I'm proud of you, bro. You got halfway there. You know, cup half full, not half empty. It's like, bro, you, you, you got halfway. But it's the difference between proud of, some, proud of someone for doing a good job and the kind of pride that God detests. So let me give you some verses. Psalms 10, verse 4. says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Why do you think that is? Because oftentimes we're all full of ourselves. Proverbs 13.10, where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Listen to Proverbs 29.23. Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gains honor. The scriptures reveal the consequences of pride. And it says in Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That word haughty in the Hebrew means arrogance 
or self-exaltation. So I'm the man. I don't know, is I'm the woman a thing? Is, ladies don't actually say that, right? Be a little bit weird. Satan was cast out of heaven because of pride. You can read that in Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 15. And it's because pride is giving ourselves credit for something that God has done. It's taking the glory that belongs to him and keeping it for ourselves. Pride causes us to become closed, to become selfish, to become cynical, to become greedy, egotistic, self-seeking, vain. And this morning, pride hurts friendships. Pride hurts relationships. Pride hurts marriages. That's the Valentine's piece right there. One of the most renowned accounts of this is found in the life of King David. The king came from humble beginnings, growing up as a shepherd boy, and he quickly rose to stardom when he took down the brute Goliath with a slingshot, weapon of choice. And throughout his turbulent journey, you can read through the pages of his life, he becomes king over Israel. God was at work. He was a very humble, very God-fearing man. But somewhere along the line, he forgot his place and in a time where kings were supposed to go out to war, he decided, mate, we are undefeated at the moment. We are killing the game, if you would. Lols. Uh, we are killing the game right now, and so let's just send the, the troops out on their own, and I'll just kick back and have a rest. I deserve it. And the Bible says when this man was supposed to go to war, he didn't. He chose to stay back, and he's chilling out on the rooftop. And in the distance, he can see some woman bathing. Man, you really don't need to go to the movies or Netflix, man. This thing has everything. And so what happens is, is that lust begins to take over. And he calls for this woman. Turns out he's actually one of his friend's wives. And then he ends up committing adultery and having an affair. But to try and cover up his mess, he lies, he actually works in schemes and plans and has his best friend, or one of his friends, Uriah, killed. That's graphic, man. And he, he, hadn't, he had, did all of this, he destroyed a marriage until he was confronted by a friend named Nathan. The consequences of pride left unchecked can have devastating impact. Because above all these things, it goes against God's very nature. It goes against God's very character. Can I add, it's not too hard to say I'm sorry. I'm talking to the guys because sometimes, you know, it's a bit tough, right? Matthew eleven twenty eight. listen to this. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And listen to what he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And aren't you grateful that God is like that? 
James wrote this in James 4, 6 in verse 10. He says, but he gives more grace. That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humility this morning is the key to self-reflection. And it enables us to be honest with ourselves. There's a term, and, and a lot of young people actually really like this. You've got to be real. You've got to be real. Be authentic. Be honest. The Bible describes humility as meekness, lowliness, and absence of self. The, the Greek word translated for humility literally means lowliness of mind. And so we see here this morning, humility is an attitude of the heart rather than the outward demeanor or performance. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And it's humility that drives us to seek out God. Oftentimes when we're humbled, we cry out, we say, God, I need you to help. It might not even be your situation. There might be something that's happened to a friend, perhaps maybe someone in the school, a family, someone within our community, and our hearts just break for these people. Say, God, please get involved. Help this family. Help this couple. Help this mum, young mum. Help these kids. And it drives us to seek God in prayer and in his word. It reminds us of our desperate need for the Holy Spirit each and every day. Because how many of you know we need his guidance? We need his direction. We need his comfort, his counsel, his mercy, and we need his grace. 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's one of the most comforting verses in the text. Can you say amen to that? Ezekiel 36 verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So that means that even when we are rock hard and we just, we won't let God in. God can still take that and use that. King David wrote a psalm after his encounter with Nathan, and I want to read this out for you. It's Psalms 51. It's the prayer of repentance. And he says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, your great compassion, uh, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 3, For I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done uh, what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. And listen to this where it says here, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Humility. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways 
so that sinners will turn back to you. See, David loved God. But David, like many of us even here today, can allow pride to run. And it can have devastating consequences. But David humbled himself. He was able to be real. He was able to be honest and reflect, which ultimately led to this prayer of repentance. And that word is such a religious sounding word, right? Repentance. Repent. <laughs> I mean, really, how many of you have used that word? And if you work here at the school, a Christian school, then you don't count. It's not a word we often use, right? But the word repent means to change, to change one's mind. For example, I went to Macca's and I repented. And I went to Hungry Jack's instead. Not really. But there's a connection between repentance and salvation. Because repentance involves recognizing that we have thought wrong in the past and determined to think right in the future. It's the idea of self-reflection. We have second thoughts about what we once believed. What we once believed. We have second thoughts about this and it, it causes us to change our disposition. A repentant person has a new way of thinking about God. I don't know about you, but before I came to Christ, I believed in God, but I didn't have the right perspective of who he was. I thought he was a tyrant that tore families apart, which is completely opposite to the Jesus we all know. A repentant person has a new way of thinking about sin, about holiness, about identity. And that's the power of repentance this morning. Listen to 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. It says, do we have it there? Yeah, we do. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So let me put it to you this way. In marriage... There is always a verse that, depending on the season that I am in, it affects me differently. And that verse is found in Ephesians 5, 25. Listen to this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That's super easy when everything's going right. But when things get rocky, husbands are like, hmm. When my pride flares up, I tend to immediately forget this one. In fact, most times I choose to forget it. Why? Because it deals with me. It confronts me. I can get so uncomfortable and squirmish and it's so annoying because, you know, you come to church, we begin to worship and sing, how great is our God? And then the speaker starts talking and he's talking about marriage. That's the topic of the Sunday sermon. And we just got out the car with having a massive biff. Not really, this is a scenario we're talking about. And he starts talking to husbands and say, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you're just trying to survive the service and then it finally gets to the end and you concede, you humble yourself and go, you know what, I acknowledge I've been a doofus. But it's only then that I can acknowledge I need to change. 
It's only then that I can acknowledge that I need God to help me, that I need to reflect, that I need to repent maybe and be real with myself. Be real with myself and be real with God. And as we bring this to a close this morning, I want to ask you the question today, what does that look like for you? What does the next step look like for you this morning? See, perhaps you're a young person who's one person at church and another when you're out. Maybe it's time to get serious about Jesus and get on mission. Maybe it's taking the step of faith. Maybe perhaps here you don't know Christ. And maybe the next step for you is actually taking that step of faith and accepting Jesus into your life. Right after service, you can come and meet us out on the deck. Come and speak with us. You can sign up for the next Alpha course. There you go, Tim. Maybe it's apologizing or asking someone for their forgiveness. Maybe you want to go deeper in relationship with God. Well, maybe it's time to set some time, allocate time in your week to pray, to read. Life is busy, but we always find time for the things we want to do. Oh, no, man, the guys are jumping on Fortnite tonight. I don't know if anyone here would do that, but I just thought I'd say it. You can join one of our community groups. We really do care about people here and we want you to succeed in your faith. Maybe husbands, you need to leave today and make an effort with Valentine's Day. And just an FYI, KFC is not considered a romantic restaurant. Don't ask me if that's experience. Maybe it's time to get on mission and use your gifts, your talents, your abilities to help others know Christ. Or... Listen to me, maybe it's a time to rest. Maybe it's a time for you to heal. Maybe it's a time for you to mend. What does it look like for you this morning? Listen to the writer as we wrap this up. Lamentations, I almost said Lamentations. I'll read this out to you. It says in verse 20, I well remember them. Listen, my soul is downcast within me. He's explaining his, how he feels. But then he says these words, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. How many of you have seen the old, the original Lion King? And you know that scene with Mufasa, he's in the clouds, man. He's like, remember, remember. Remember that. That's exactly what he's doing here. The prophet is saying, you know what, I call to mind. He's saying, you know what, yeah, the situation's not the best, but I remember my God is great. And I remember that my God is faithful. And I still remember that he is a God that never leaves me nor forsakes me. So when I feel abandoned, I know that he's right there in the midst. When I feel like I'm in the furnace and everything around me is burning, I know that there is a fourth one in there and he looks like the son of man. Are you with me this morning? We got to bring back, we got to remember. Remember, God is good. 
Lamentations, and we close, and this is our text. He says, let us search out and examine our ways. That's reflection. And turn back to the Lord. Repentance. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Restoration. So this morning, I want us to take some time to reflect. So while the, I'd like to ask the band to come up, and if everyone could just bow their heads, I just want to seal, our, uh, seal off before we start worship and sing, singing this morning. And I just want to pray for us as we conclude this message. Father, we're just so grateful. So grateful, God, that no matter the season, you are faithful. We remind ourselves, God, of your goodness. That no matter our struggle, God, we know that we don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize. You know, God. God, you can relate to us. God, I pray for anyone here, Lord, that is struggling. I just pray that you would just bring the comforter, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort these people. And that, Father, that this morning as we leave here, that we would take time to ponder. We would take time to, to, to be with you and to reflect. Holy Spirit, right now, search the inner depths of our hearts, God. Find every wicked thing in us, God. Things that perhaps we might need to change or we might, we might need to humble ourselves in, God. God, we're so grateful that you are the God who heals Jehovah Rapha. And Lord, this morning, we thank you. We trust you. And I pray right now, comfort for those right now who are in anguish, anguish and sorrow and in conflict. God, just be with them and comfort them, Lord. We thank you for this message. And God, we just pray that you would embed this in our hearts. And we give you all the glory this morning. In Jesus' name.